This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Michael Mills, we continue the conversation on communicating uh, curiosity and what he's looking towards in the future. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Michael Mills. The broadcast training and communication. What yeah. are there some uh, repetitive lessons or go-to mantras or common themes with um, training someone for communicating in an interview on TV? Or yeah, I, I I want people to have a sense of their own authority to be completely confident in what they're there to talk about. As I said before, you've won the award or had the accolades, and a lot of times I deal with very complicated scientific issues that I'm for lack of a better word, dumbing down to a, a broader audience. Mm -hmm. So if you have that authority, I, I remember, I, and I work with a lot of people who have a tremendous amount of experience. I, I worked with Tony Fauci, uh, I don't know. Right. It's 20, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, I don't know what it was. <laughs> and he had had a lot of experience then, and he's a really secure guy. And he really didn't have the time for me. And you could tell, he was like multitasking. And I said, here, I want 20 minutes of your time because this is the question you have to ask. And I threw this really difficult multi-layered question that was in the issue that I was there to talk to about. And he goes, nobody's going to ask me that. And I said, okay, but what if they do? And so we built that answer and he said, who are you? And I said, well, I'm, I'm part of the team. And I came through and I dropped the appropriate names. That was the price of admission for me getting to see him. <laughs> But, you know, I, I do that a lot. You know, right. when you work with a, a celebrity that's won a lot of awards and gets paid a great deal of money, you know, for them to realize that what they're going to be doing for this campaign that they're involved with, public service or whatever it is, there are rules and regulations and guidelines and guideposts. So hmm. your own sense of authority in that area. And then, you know, it's an Academy Award winner. Your authority is you're a mom because this is a campaign about geared towards mom. So that's mm -hmm. the authority that you're trading off of. Then the next thing would be concerned, be concerned that this topic is relatable to a lot of people out there. And then the last was have enthusiasm, genuinely be excited about what you're talking about. Even though by the time you're talking about it with this reporter from NPR, you are so bored intellectually by this topic, you're mm -hmm. so bored by giving the same information. But don't be boring. Mm -hmm. Be enthusiastic. Get, you know, I think that's the same thing. You know, you're an actor, you know that. I mean, you know the lines, you know when they come, but if you stop listening and and you recite it wrote, you missed an opportunity to make that line completely different tonight, mm -hmm. to connect in a way that wasn't possible during the matinee yesterday, but it's a Thursday evening performance and something is magical about it. They're, they're all magical, I think, about that, but there is a sense of tedium that can come in after you do it so often. So... I've, I've not really, I, I hate, well, I, I dislike when people say, oh, I'm so bored with this. Well then, okay, make it not boring. That could be, don't do it anymore. Think about something else. And I think if you're curious, being bored is impossible. If you, if you really think you're bored, ask yourself, why am I bored? Be curious about that. Mm. And you know, I, when I worked in uh, Midtown, I would try to find a different way to walk from my apartment in Chelsea to where I work every single day. And that is possible. Because a route you have, or a way yeah. in which you walk? Well, that, that too. No, I'm Silly. serious. <laughs> well, um, I, I remember once I, we, we did an all-male production of a Gilbert and Sullivan, and 
I was playing a princess or a fairy or something like that. So the assignment was to walk as that character and the character was going to have heels on. So for a couple of weeks, that's what I did. I walked around heel, which was, you know, in college and, and acceptable. And that's so but, fascinating though, be breaking habits because I would wear my watch on the other wrist just cause it changes yeah. your whole day. Exactly. <laughs> you just exactly. like change little habits. It's, you know, I always tell people, things. you know, you know, it, for people who did performances, and I called them that if they were doing a, a media tour and they were doing a lot of things. And, you know, this was, I, I once worked with this uh, uh, princess from, uh, where was she from? Normandy. Her name was Princess Marie Blanche de Broglie. And she was um, a cookbook author and a chef. And it was the ingredients that were healthy at the time uh, is what we were talking about. So I traveled all around the country with her and she was so curious about food. We were in Arizona and she heard someone say Frito pie. And she's like, well, I must, I must try Frito pie. And I'm like, cool, <laughs> let's go try Frito pie. Well, it was a bag of Fritos split open with chili and Velveeta cheese on top. And it's yummy. It's delicious, but it's a bag of Fritos. Yeah. Well, this princess, devoured this thing and was so wanted to talk to the chef who was a line cook. It wasn't a chef. It was a guy opening it, but, and she was so passionate about this. And that would be five-star restaurants or this hole in the wall that I found. I love people that are curious. Yeah. And it can be tough to get, um, sometimes you want to be curious and, uh, there are limitations to, that curiosity. I think first level is you put them on yourself, but then others, the system, you know, I'm curious and, you know, I, I wanted to play Romeo or I always wanted to be, uh, you know, Tony in, in West Side Story. And I was never Tony. Mm. I was Bernardo like four times, but I'd never be Tony. Right. It's not going to happen. So I think, you know, I, well, why am, I, I don't need to be that curious about why I wasn't Tony, but I could be <laughs> curious about, you know, how, I could be a Bernardo in this, you know, but this high school. This conversation on curiosity, though, I love because especially with travel, world travel, because the second you leave your day to day and you realize all of the rules and things around you are completely arbitrary. It's just because yep. someone before you decided and no one questioned it. And it's so interesting. I wonder if there were there any standout moments traveling the world where you saw something done a different way and you were like. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I remember I was once in China and the guy, I would oftentimes get guides. Um, a lot of times I did a lot of travel through Africa and, and for the UN and I would get a guide and, you know, there was a safety issue, you know, so I would have either like a, they would have a car and a driver and you would only go to certain places. And I would always say, can we go there? And the guide was like, well, let me, let me explain to you why we shouldn't go there. I'm like, okay, if I'm informed, we can do it. Only one time I was in, um, I think it was Zambia. No, it was Ouagadougou, <laughs> um, which I, I, I think it was Ouagadougou. And where's, and where's I went that to, on the planet? I, well, let's see. Is, I don't it, mean to put you on that, the spot. <laughs> I mean, is, is it Zambia? I, I cannot remember, okay. but I do remember that was a city. And I went to this market and I remember the woman at the hotel, the concierge saying, she wouldn't recommend going there because it was such a long walk. And the way she looked at me and the way she talked to me, I'm realizing, oh, maybe she was talking about safety. And I went there and everybody was curious because here's this big white guy. 
hmm. in this market in, or maybe it was Lusaka, Lusaka, Zambia. That's where it was. And, um, I, you know, it was three stories and I'm up and there was a, a, a lot of people following me because mm-hmm. at that time I was American, but I would tell people I was Canadian. This was after nine 11 and the UN said, if you were asked just say Canadian, cause there, you wouldn't have anything. It's kind of funny. I thought they <laughs> asked, told me to lie, which was interesting. Um, but I found myself in this stall buying these beautiful tablecloths that I was going to give to my mom for Christmas and something for my dad. I can't remember oh, this vest. I was going to buy my dad. And I turned around and there were hundreds of people at the stall and the stall had no way out. And they were kind of crushing in on me. And I'm like, oh, this is just seen from a bad movie where this, you know, rich white guy. And because I, you know, had taken out a $20 bill, U.S. currency was gladly and, and eagerly uh, accepted. Yeah. And so I had this big camera around my neck and that's what they, there, there were some cultures there and many cultures like in throughout Southeast Asia, taking pictures is something, you know, this concept of, of capturing a soul or something else or, and so I realized, oh, so I did a selfie, which was at that time you put the camera and you set the timer and you run in and that's how I connected with them. Like I wasn't there to exploit and to take, I was there to experience. Mm. And, you know, I, I quickly found the friendliest face and got my way out of there and bought many things on the way. <laughs> um, but it was because I was, you know, there, that was one of maybe a dozen times I felt a little unsafe. Um, mm. But the curiosity and, and the fact that I was able to do this, I mean, this was just, this job was amazing. So you know, this, it, this is the right location. This is like middle Southern Africa, North yeah, Zimbabwe. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I want to, just to put this there in everyone's go. mind where we are in the world, we're on the right. continent of Africa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that was the same trip where I, I, yeah. I went to a, uh, an art gallery there, the Lusaka central art gallery. And so many things in Africa are very, you know, gentlemen wear three piece suits and, uh, women wear gloves and it's it's very interesting the kind of the the english that's still in many of these cultures and i went to this museum and i was the only person in the museum and i stopped in the cafe and um there were half a dozen workers in the cafe and no one there and so i ordered a coke because you always ordered something in a bottle and you drank out of the bottle because just you know what would happen in terms of that your stomach did not <laughs> suit well with local ice and water. Sure, 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 sure. And I sat, and then this woman who directed it came in and sat with me, and she said she'd like to show me around. So we went around, and I expressed interest. I said, what is this, this beautiful picture? And this man told me that it was painted by a, a very famous um, artist. His name was Enoch, and it was a campfire and it was very impressionist almost. So you couldn't really tell there were all these people seated around a campfire, but they were, when you looked at it close, it was just, you know, dots and, and, and oil. And as you step back, you saw this. And I said, I absolutely love that. I went through the rest of the museum and then she came to the end. She said, would you like to buy that painting? Oh, and I said, oh, I thought it was a museum. She yeah. goes, oh, it is, yeah. but follow me. And we went in the back and here were all these, you know, rolled up canvases and she was just unrolling them. And I was like, well, I like that one. So she said, okay, she took it off the wall 
And I said, but I, I, I won't be able to take this on the plane. She said, oh, don't worry. Should somebody remove all the staples of the canvas and roll it up and pack it and take it with me the next day? And I had this, this piece that moved me so much. And at the end of it, she, I said, well, can I meet the artist? And she said, oh, no, he, he died. He died of AIDS. And I was like, whoa, okay. I'm there. And I was there for this um, ICASA conference, was an international AIDS conference. And um, I... Uh, I was so moved by that, that I had this and that how that happened. I'm there for that. Yeah. So the next day I want, I wanted to go to, um, uh, to the falls in Victoria, the Victoria falls, which is in Zambia, I believe. Um, and so I, um, that was an insane. Look at me. My geography is completely gone. I, I was trying to find a way of getting from Lusaka where I was down to the falls and it, which was in a different country, mm. Zimbabwe. And, um, she said, Oh, I'll, I'll get you a driver. Well, this little beat up Honda <laughs> pulls in front of the hotel and this striking tall, full of energy man pops out of the front and he goes, hello, sir. I'm here to take you to Victoria Falls. And I'm like, okay, cool. It was a nine hour and eight hour drive. Wow. So I sat in the front with him. And we're talking, Clay, it was the man's son. It was Enoch's son. The woman at the hotel had no idea that I bought this painting or had this conversation. This Holy man crap. was just ran randomly selected. And I just got to chill again. And we got to the border and he said, I can't take you over the border. And I said, why? He goes, there's a, a, a work stoppage in Zimbabwe. I cannot take you. They won't let me take you. And I'm like, so what do I do? He said, you'll get a driver on the other side. And, you know, it was a little border control office, one little tiny room. And there were there was there was a family there with a bed. They had a double mattress that they were carrying from one place to the other, which was just so that but it's like, I don't know, it, it just so struck me or that there was a picture in the Times once of a woman fleeing a Soviet era country with she was carrying a chair on top of her head. And I'm like, why is she carrying a chair? And I thought, Oh, she needs someplace to sit down. Hmm. She's fleeing whatever she's fleeing, but she needs to sit. This is an old woman. These people needed this bed. Mm -hmm. This was a And so I'm on the other side, he's on the other side, and he waves to me, he goes, Goodbye, sir. Goodbye, sir. And he points to the man. And he goes, him, him. And he takes I had given him again, a $20 bill as a, a, a tip, I think, or probably a couple. And he holds up the $20 bill and he says, him, him. So he's telling me, give that man $20 and I'll take you to the hotel. And I did. And I have, well, this was before readily available cell phones and definitely sure. no cell phones in Africa. So that picture hangs on my wall in, in New York City. And I cherish that experience and it, it was all because i was curious that i wanted to go see victoria falls and i didn't want to fly from lusaka to johannesburg and then johannesburg to Victor i i right. it was only down the road a bit so nine hours down I, the road a bit that's a, well, that's a that's an incredible story i you know it's like the bed and the chair there's so much that i take for granted just turning on my lights they come on right I turn on the sink. There's right. water coming out of it. Right. Uncommon right. for majority of the world. That is not a common thing to turn on a no. faucet and have water come out. It's got to be raining for the last three days. If it hasn't been raining, water's not going to come. Out. I mean, there's just so many things we take for granted being here in, you know, this country 
So I, you know, and I encourage everyone to travel too, because right, there's so many lessons to be learned just from seeing the way another civilization lives. And, and the, the experience of things that we take for granted was always humbling. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're far off from theater, but yet we're not. Because I think the ability to experience that, I, yeah, I was in a car and I was driving to Victoria Falls, but I don't know. I felt like I was in Newfoundland when mm. I was come from away. Mm. I mean, they, they, they took me there right. and then they took me into all their lives. What a, I, I had a, a, a friend of mine, Michael Brian Dunn, a really great actor, and he was in the tour of come from away and he was a swing and did multiple parts. And it was, he told the story of how difficult it was. And I'm thinking, okay, so you had to cover for three or four roles. I forget, but each one of those roles is also three or four roles inside mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, wow, that really, that really is tough. Yeah. I love that show. It, just, it really, it took me away and theatrical experiences that take you away. That's the exciting thing about being back in theaters now, because you, you get to go away by yourself, but share it with, hundreds or thousands of other people. And that's that's what I think is so fascinating about, for instance, Come From Away, but other shows that have a very minimal set. I find I get taken further away the less there is happening physically on stage. Now, I don't know if yeah. that's a stronger book, stronger acting, direction. I, You know, there's it, that's all debatable. But I notice when there's less on yeah. stage to be distracted by, so to speak, I, you know, I just get, you just grab it, you're just levitated gravitated you move it just <laughs> takes you away but there's something about the helicopter and miss oh well i mean come on <laughs> that was in, i mean i don't know if anyone saw it at the broadway theater but they had fans up the balcony so in the back of the balcony you have this wind yeah hitting you i mean it was just like whoa and and in the original it, 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 they is i think the ticket prices broke the hundred dollar mark for that show where you could sit because you want to sit in the first balcony in the first four rows. And they'd done this whole marketing thing. I love that. I love the, you know, David Merrick of, of you know, starting shows at eight ten. So, you know, yeah. when you couldn't get into another show, you could still get into his. I, I love the, the kind of showmanship and circus like thing. I, I worked for Ringling too. We can talk about it another time, oh, but I love God. the showman, the showman part of that. But that helicopter, you know, granted, the helicopter is a big thing. Most of the set in Saigon is fairly minimal. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of screens. It's a lot of, but that, that helicopter, I've always wanted to direct a, a really, really gut-wrenching production that really got to the dark side of what the bar was like. The bar, in a lot of productions, the bar is a little too glamorous. A little too fun. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I want, you know, it, it, Take Me to New York, that song. Um, I want her to be breastfeeding a child as she sings that song. Because that's what's really going on, hmm. that these are exploited and mistreated and lost people that are looking for any way out. So hmm. maybe one day. Maybe one day. Yeah. And you brought up a good point about the new structures coming up here in the theater district. And that and I, I'm just realizing, you know, the sweet spot of maybe a 249, 299 seat house. Uh, they're right. limited. And for an off-Broadway theater situation, that could be incredible if one of those buildings... Because I think people are hungry. I think leading designers and leading actors are hungry to have that kind of an experience. You know, to, to to center stage. I mean, you know, Royal Albert Hall or or Madison Square Garden, or you know, that that's an amazing experience. Springsteen at the Garden, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen, many many times. Mm. But ninety nine people 
seated around where you, you hear people breathe hmm. and when they lean in and take a breath together, which I love about the national in London, it, it just feels that it's so intimate, even the larger spaces. So I, I would love that. So maybe, you know, as your, as your, um, fan base grows maybe you'll find a, a developer who has a soft spot for theater and we can we can find one that could be I a did really a, interesting yeah <laughs> yeah because I, 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 th- I, I think they're there you know i uh, developers are, are are not sort of the evil characters that they some some are of course but i think that this the pay to play um in in that district i think would be important mm. you know especially now as they look at you know limiting entrance to the city and, and, and increasing the amount of money you have to pay to get into Midtown. I think there's a, a way we can do that. Heck, if they did it for bike lanes, they could do it for theater, right? Hello. Are there any changes you've made recently that have increased positivity or decreased negativity, maybe throughout the pandemic or just life? Well, on um, we had a, in fact, it was the reading for um, Rain and Zoe Save the World that we were at on March the 12th, I think it was, or 11th. And uh, I got a text during the reading and I leaned over to Drew and I said, it's over. And it talked about the usher at Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf uh, mm-hmm. being tested positive. And Drew was like, oh, no, no, no. And like a minute later, I got the update. He was also an usher at Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> and then Drew said, you're right. So we finished the, nobody had their cell phones on because there was a reading, finished the reading. I, I told people what had come through and, after we had the discussion about characters and everything else. And in fact, you were at that reading, weren't you? I was in um, Ames, Iowa. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I love Ames, Iowa. Ames, Iowa. I was there uh, and I saw a production of Tap Dogs, if you remember that. Okay. Um, Ames, Ames, Iowa is 10 square miles of liberal, College. enlightened people <laughs> surrounded by Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the only downfall. But so were you asked about the, the, any changes yeah. that, that night? I, I packed our bags. I, I told Mark, we could be gone for months, but we're going, we have a little cabin up in the country. I said, we're going there. And you know, 18 months later, it's, it's here. It's the Catskill mountains. I'm looking out the window right now. There's, there's a mountain and there's blue sky and the colors are changing here. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, my garden is worthy of its own, you know, Broadway set at this point, because I've (laughs) done things with, you know, dry stream beds and cascading fountains. And it was was the way to, you know, to really deal with the dark days at the beginning, you know, in between washing the groceries and not seeing first time we came back to New York, my goodness, I, I met, I passed more people from the parking garage to the apartment than I had seen in an entire year up here because it's a tiny town. Yeah. And, it's a beautiful place outside of Phoenicia, New York, but that, I think the slowdown we talked about a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. that really was cemented here. You know, I'm, 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 I'm back in New York and I love it for all the reasons, you know, I watched a, a rehearsal of something at little Island the other night yeah. and it was so, so exciting. So exciting. I felt like, Oh, this must've been what people felt like the first time they went to Delacorte and they just sort of experienced this oasis inside of a park. And, you know, like, so there's, there's, there's little things like that. There's, you know, I, I took a show to Fort Lauderdale, a couple of, well, my goodness, we opened on, uh, end of February of 2020. Mm. 
and we closed in March. And it was a, a tap dance musical about gay men in New York City in the 1920s using available, uh, the available catalog of, of songs in the 20s that men sang. And they were surprisingly homoerotic songs in the lyrics. It's very interesting how cheeky they were back then. But um, what we did is as the men met for sex, uh, we substituted the act of sex with tap dancing. So that's how they had had sex with each other. They tap dance with each other. Mm. And it's competitive and it's sweaty and it's hot. And, you know, one man took a shirt off. That was his, that, that that's the only eroticism in the whole show. It was beautiful. It was a great experience. But and that was something completely new. And I also thought, well, if it's anything, it's in Fort, you know, if it isn't anything, it's in Fort Lauderdale. Nobody will see it. And if it is something, it's in Fort Lauderdale and we could make it something else and, and yeah. move it and grow it along. So that that's the kind of the idea. So spending time there and then spending time up here, the slowing down. And it, it it's important too that, you know, as I get older, it can't be the slowing down. I talked about the, oh, well, he's old now. He's going to slow down. Mm -hmm. I think and you'll, you'll find this out, Clay. You hit an age and that's the age you stay at for the rest of your life. I heard it's, that about 30 until I hit 65. I'm going to feel about the same. Yeah. That's what for I've me, heard. I yeah, for me, it's, for me, it's 38. Okay, I know exactly what that year was like. It was a great year. And I just when I lay my head down on the pillow at night, that that's that guy goes to sleep. And mm. it's not that I'm denying who I am now. I'm, I'm much wiser and much more experienced. But mm. that's, I knew who I was. And my values and sense of self had been pretty much set. I still have incredible things to learn and discover about myself. But that core being, so as as you do that, when you when you do get to have completely new experiences, I treasure those. And this last year, I treasure this. I never thought that I would be a, a gardener in the mountains, which is a it's, it's difficult to do because we don't get a lot of sun here. Mm. We get a lot of mountains. And the winters, and this last winter, you know, 30 inches of snow one day. It was like, well, that's obscene and exciting you yeah. know watch my little, my little black pug just kind of disappear and have to fish him out of the snow you know and and kind of go and go into battle with nature you know when i when i garden up here i i put on it's like i'm a warrior I, i've got my <laughs> there's this tool called a hori hori knife it's japanese it's got a blade on one side and a kind of a, an indentation shovel on the other and i just go at it i i say oh, i love english style gardens which is sort of overgrown and lush but you know, the weeds also love it too. And they're very tricky, the weeds. They they grow to look exactly like the plant that's there. It's an amazing thing. And quickly, nature. in a week. Oh, yeah, yeah. So and, and taller and more vibrant. But yeah. doing that and shaping it and sense of design. And so when I wasn't able to produce for a year, besides what we did on Zoom, and I did an audio musical that is... It's called Spandex, which was about the Crystal Light National Aerobics Championship, which is a really lovely, a lovely musical. I asked people to the audio version of it is out now, wherever you listen for your podcast. It's a five part series, but it's a really fun, whimsical musical with a, a message throughout. But that was really the only thing that we produced or I produced during um, during the shutdown. And uh, the other thing was uh, the garden, which I, you know. I, I would give tours to, you know, there's not many people here, but as soon as they drove, when somebody drives up the road, it's sort of like the, you know, the Wells Fargo wagon is coming. We can hear it, you know, we kind of look and look and look. And then it's a stranger. One day I was walking through the garden with a complete stranger 
And I go back in the house and Mark's like, who was that? It's like, oh, I don't know. He was lost. So I asked if he wanted to see the garden. Because, you know, <laughs> I got, you know, I'm doing eight shows a week and I need an audience. So, yeah, right. You know. <laughs> You're like, <"A> customer. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There wasn't a donation box or anything, but I did give people plants, oh, you know, because thinning out and all of that, people left with plants. So that idea of creating, and I'm very excited, as, as daunting as it is, especially now, I'm very excited to bring something new to the stage, something that, you know, we'll see it's the life of it just grow and nurture. And, you know, then you kind of, then you set it free, you know, the show is locked and you set it, but you never really completely set it free because every right. night it's going to be different. But as a, as a production team, you, you do. Mm -hmm. And then you see what happens. Michael, Yes. Me metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? Yeah, it's got to be the same thing I'm talking about, which is always be curious. Mm. Always be curious. And that's related to, you know, always be curious. And then because I'm a man of many words, the subtitle will be when offered, take the left turn. Mm. And that's something I learned. I was doing this promo at um, Disney like World, and there was a uh, a guy who said, you, you want to know the secret to Disney World? And I said, sure. He goes, always take the left line, because more people take the right line just because it's out of habit. Mm -hmm. So take the left. So that's what I've done. And ultimately, you find your way home if you need to. So, sure. you know. But if I if I'm taking a hike and there's an option, I'll I'll take the left. If it's the wrong one, you can turn around and come back. But you know, it's it's the left one. And I don't know. For a while, I tried to teach myself how to write with my left hand. That was not successful. But I will. I always find myself looking to the left when I I like to um, I like to uh, flip houses, you know, buy and sure. refurbish houses. And I always kind of look at at putting the center of the house or the center of the art or collection or whatever I'm putting in on the left side for some reason, because it just the majority of the people are looking this way. And sure. I, if I get into it that way, they spend a little bit more time. When offered, take the left turn. I love that. And curiosity, I'm telling you, it gets you so many, to, so many interesting relationships, locations, opportunities, just by asking mm -hmm. questions. Yeah. And, you know, have a, a, a a good sense of right and wrong and, and, mm. and good and bad. I mean, you know, you could be curious, you know, you, you could be curious <laughs> yeah, and get yourself in danger, yeah. you know? But yeah. I, I think curiosity because curiosity is an intellectual pursuit. The action on that curiosity is, is what comes out of that. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to take a, a left-hand turn if it is into a ball of fire, mm. But, you know, the option of, and then I think, why is there a ball of fire there? That's an odd thing to have in the middle of you know, But then you, you think about it. So. What are you looking towards? What are you looking forward to as theater um, and things come back? Well, just going. I mean, it, it's funny too. I have to be careful because the art of producing, sometimes you're so close to it that unfortunately the joy of it can wane at times because it's so much work mm -hmm. you know that you know that shows that i have like i've gone to a show that i haven't invested in and i want it to succeed and i really really do but if it's really successful and you don't it's like oh well darn that 
that was and what I learned from that. But, you know, I, I'm looking forward to being able to share that in some way. I, I, I want to do a lot more directing. I want to um, do a lot more collaborating as a producer. And I don't know that that article in the Times about, you know, how producers are ruining Broadway was really offensive uh, because I don't think that Jesse, I think that's who wrote it, really understands the role. Yeah, there, there is there is money to be raised and connections to be made and that oftentimes is what the producer do, but there's also a lot of creative producers that work hand in hand with their collaborators. Right. And that's what we're trying to do at DDM. You know, we're trying to get folks that have an idea and oh my goodness, there's such brilliant people that we're working with young, passionate, opinionated, you know, vibrant people who have ideas that I thought would be way too precious. But the idea that somebody is going to want to talk about their ideas and ask questions about their ideas and curious as to where else it could go as an idea, that's to me is really great. And finding a way to do that. And also, you know, I started this game very late, you know, I, I started producing, you know, most people are 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 ready to retire from it and i'm just sort of well, wait a minute the party's just started mm -hmm. so i don't know so it's it's completely unknown i'd like to collaborate with other people i'd like to learn from people and you know in this career i'm looking for a mentor i don't i you know and that's kind of tough to go to somebody and say you know can you mentor me when it's like well what have you been doing with your life and i'm like well i've been doing a lot you know yeah if you want to learn something from me, I'll teach you. But what I want to learn, it, there's a lot of a lot of part of the business and a lot of part of the art that I still need to learn. You know, I, I want to I love being in theaters. I love watching directors work. I love creative people. You know, text can be absolutely devastating for an actor because it's so tedious. But mm. on the other side of the house, just seeing how it all comes together and how, you know, a good producer will just keep feeding candy <laughs> And, and snacks <laughs> during tech keep people going sure i found the power of a twizzler during tech has always been amazing for me you know the rip open of a twizzler bag and people are renewed you know, yes. like, let's go <laughs> so yeah i don't know just continue to be curious um try not to lose a lot of money i i'm yeah right you know i i can't my, my dad was a mechanic um my mom was a school teacher. I've I've never known what it's like to have a lot of money. Um, I've always made as much money as I seem to need, and that's been easy for me. So I have to be careful that, you know, cost containment. I think is also something is really important. I love big budget musicals, but I do personally think they've gotten a little out of hand mm. and unreachable. And then that corresponds to ticket prices and and people willing to invest in them because of it. So I think we have to really think about what we can do that. So the smaller theaters that we just talked about, that's a, a good idea as well. But I don't know, try to do as much good as I possibly can do no harm. An animal rights activist once who was screaming at me because I was working for a company that she thought shouldn't be around. She said, How can you do this? And I said, Well, tell me what you need me to know. And she said, Do no harm. I'm like, Okay, and this was ironic because her organization had just planted a pipe bomb in a federal research building. So she wasn't following her own advice, Right. but um, I'm like, well, yeah, okay. So that, that's good. Do no harm. So you don't have to. And I, when, when I am part of a casting for anything, for a workshop or a show or something, and you don't have to be brutal about the no, 
you know, it, you, you, you can, if you have the time, say no, why? You know, we're, I, I love what you, you're doing, but it just doesn't fit into the other cast member. It's just something, I don't know. Because yeah. I feel, I, I, I once had a callback on the Helen Hayes Theater. It might have been called the Little Theater at the time, but Helen Hayes. And I'd already found myself to the callback. And this is a time where you actually auditioned on stage. And there were three other guys looked just like me. We had numbers. I was number three. Number one went forward and they said, turn around, number one. Step forward, number one. And we had already, the, the guy at the door said, when they say thank you, that means you can go. I'm like, oh, okay. So it was thank you, number one. So he left. Number two, same thing. Stand to the left, number two. So he made it. Number three, that's me. Hmm. And they looked exactly like me. Yeah. They were all could have been Pavarotti's son, right? Sure, and sure. Forward, turn around. Could you come a little closer in the light, number three? I'm like, yeah, I'm coming into the light. I'm going to be asked to say, thank you, number three. I'm like, oh. So tail between the legs, I go. Then, wait, number three, could you come back? So I go back. Silence, just like there is now. And then from the balcony, I hear someone who I find out at the time is the director go number three, number three, no, no fucking way. So I'm still standing there because they have not said thank you. And that's when you leave. And I was like, okay. And then the stage manager walks into light at the foot and says, thank you. Number three, really? Thank you. Cause he knew that was just, that was brutal. Why did you have to do this to this kid? Yeah. And that was, you know, one of those days where you reevaluate which one, and, you know, shortly after that, within 24 hours, I got that job offer from Ogilvy. And that's kind of what I think propelled me to it. Cause I had said, okay, I just can't do this. Right. It's too devastating. Yeah. Now I say, no, thank you. <laughs> Cause I learned, I learned something, you know? Right. So. Right. That's so, what a fascinating life path. I feel like we're going to have to do a part two here. There's so much, there's so much, so many more questions I have about your life. Well, maybe how about questions that are related to the ones that you want to ask? Well, you answered, I mean, you make my job very easy, Michael. You make it very easy. You just, just, that's what a a good producer does. Yes. Amen. (laughs) This is funny. I also didn't realize that we were both Catholic. Ah, I, I yes. don't know why I hadn't put that together. I don't know because we don't talk no. about religion, but it was, uh, it's just funny. It's funny. And take the left turn. I just, I love this whole conversation. I'm hearing a lot of buzz about this, a little bit of Bobby Cronin coming up November 7th. <laughs> Very exciting. A little, a little yeah, yeah. It's so exciting. And the, the people we have on board, I think are just, I don't know, it's explosive in such a great way. Yeah, I mean, Bobby Cronin, I think, is a he's his catalog of music is so great. And it's I just listened to his rock and roll self-discovery musical the other day, which is a completely different genre. But he writes big songs and, and, you know, beautiful melodies and and sort of heartfelt, multi-part, very complicated uh, lines of music. And he has some really beautiful songs and. We're working with them on two shows. We're working with them on uh, Concrete Jungle, which is a, you know, a romantic story about how one woman wants to find her way in the world, and so does it seems everybody in her life, which is all centered around this very small bar in Brooklyn called the Concrete Jungle. And it's it's also it was uh, 
new before it was new. I mean, Bobby was dealing with a lot of topics that we're dealing with right now in terms of, you know, identity and race and many other things in a way that I think are um, handled correctly. Uh, it's not, you're not hit over the head with any issues, jagged little pill. Wait, I didn't say that. Um, but it just, it just kind of, it, it's there. And it's, the music is beautiful. So we're doing some songs from that. And then we're doing songs from Marion Max, which is based on the claymation animation cartoon about, you know, a young girl in Australia, teenage girl in Australia with a poo stained birthmark on her face, who feels like she is alone in the world in a very strange family who somehow through a very odd twist of fate, having to do with her kleptomaniac robbing mother finds an address of Max, uh, a late 60s shut in in 1970s New York City who has Asperger's before that was a definable condition. And they meet and have a very amazing relationship only through letters. And this girl and this man go through amazing things on their journey of self-discovery. And it works out for one of them. That's all I'll say. Hmm. But it's such a relatable story because we're all trying to find our way of, you know, fitting in, but standing out. And sometimes when you stand out a lot, like these two characters, it's not fun. It's, it's, it's not easy. Hmm. And the songs are beautiful. We've got just really a great potential. So, and then to sort of cleanse the palette, we're doing music from Rain and Zoe Save the World, which Bobby wrote the score for and Crystal Skillman wrote the book and, and Crystal also collaborated with Bobby for, um, for Mary and Max. So it, it's a way, you know, we want people to come and see it. We're inviting some people to come and see it. We want them both to take the next step. We want mm. Concrete Jungle to find its way to a stage. And we're working a lot with just these, these wonderful associate producers that we have with us. <laughs> you may know him. His name is Clay. Oh, um, stop. <laughs> finding, a, finding a way and an outlet for that. Yeah. And, and I think that um, college theater route, I think is a great way to do that. I think that's a, in a way it's the smaller theater idea that we've talked about, but you know, we've all been in college theater. We know the sense of passion and, and connection that you can have and to have that with a new piece would be great. And Marion Max just belongs on the stage mm. and is going to find its way there. A lot of people are asking for it too. And, and the music is beautiful. So on November 8th at green room 42, I'm, just directing. And by that time, it's just corralling people to and trying to make the evening uh, entertaining and, and, and oh, it will enjoyable. It yeah. Will and be. just like learning a little bit about the show through the music. Um, and, you know, Bobby's Bobby's music is lots of people are familiar with Bobby's music. And I, I love the venue because it's a it's a it's a place where you can share these and have a, a fairly intimate experience at, you know, an affordable price. Um, can't which wait. is which is great yeah this is so. great such a great conversation thank you so much for taking the time michael sure and thank you for asking me clay of course beautiful friends michael mills you've been listening to entertainment x the podcast you can follow entertainment x on instagram at underscore entertainment x underscore if you haven't yet go to apple podcasts and subscribe rate and review this podcast Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.